Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. I had the privilege of speaking at Trebekah's Chapel on Tuesday morning, and I got up to speak, and I went to set my iPad down on the stand, and as soon as I did, I turned to begin talking, and when I looked back, my whole iPad went black. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Like a moment of panic in the middle of, of getting ready to speak. And so I, I picked it up and I got it back up and I pulled the words back up and I set it down and it went black again. And I was like, what is going on? And I realized that something in the magnetic pull of the stand and my iPad, it automatically shut it down every time. So I just had to stand and hold my iPad the whole time. But it was, I had a slight moment of panic speaking. I don't get a whole real nervous anymore, but boy, oh boy, I had a moment of going, oh no. So... That was my Tuesday morning. It was great, though. We had a good time. But she did awesome. <laughs> it was amazing just to see kids responding um, in just positive ways. And uh, I love being a part of a, a church that supports a, a, an educational institution like Trevecca, where it's not just about getting a degree. It's about being formed and shaped around the narrative of the God who loves. And we're, that's what we're talking about. Hey, we're coming up towards the end of our church year. Uh, that is the end of April. And as we do every spring, we, we're just looking at uh, budget proposals for the next year. Um, and we're looking at all sorts of different things. And we just wanted to communicate some stuff to you because we have found that you love information because it gives you what you need to know to make the decisions. Last year, we um, shared with you because there was some confusion that when you give online, there's a transaction fee. And some of you didn't realize that. And you, some of you didn't realize that you could actually cover those fees yourself. And many of you did that. And over this last year, I think we have a graphic here, 82% of you are covering the fees that are associated with your online giving, uh, which saved us almost $1,000 this year, which is awesome. And we as your church board and pastors, we just want to say thank you Amen. for doing that. That is huge. So give yourselves right. a round of applause. <laughs> As it relates to that, some of you have also shared that you just do not like online giving because of those fees. And so we just wanted to make sure we are all aware of the, of, of the different costs that are associated with the way you give. There's a, a good way that requires no transaction fees except for the gas it takes to get to church. And that is to put your offering in the joy baskets. Woo! And everything else. <laughs> and so, I mean, whether it's cash or checks, it doesn't cost you anything. We've also discovered that many of your banks, you can set up checks to be uh, give or sent right to the church, and that doesn't cost you anything either. But there are others who do want to give online. It helps you be faithful in your giving. And we just want to let you know that when it comes to the ways in which you give, there's three basic ways. One, through credit cards. Uh, and I know that American Express is a credit card, but they're a little wonky. Uh, and then there's uh, using your bank account. Uh, for those of you who are using credit cards, it costs you 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction. For $100, that's $3.20 in fees, 
Whether you cover it or we cover it, that's the cost. American Express, they're a little greedier. Uh, 3.5% plus 30 cents per transaction or $3.80 per $100. Uh, or, it, But if you set it up, if you want to do online giving and you're okay with this, if you go through your bank, it's only 1% and 30 cents, so $1.30 per $100. So we just want you to have that information. So as you're thinking about the ways in which you give, um, we want you to know the costs associated and what you can do with that. Yeah. At the heart of it is this. We are thankful for a church that supports the mission of God that is happening right here through real life. So as one of your pastors here, I just want to say on behalf of your church board and your pastoral staff, thank you for being a part of what goes on here at Real Life. Amen. Awesome. So this morning we're continuing in our series on grace. We have two weeks left and our topic today is um, sustaining grace. And it's, we're kind of, it's a little bit of a um, checkup, if you will, today. And we're going to talk about what that means. But in sustaining grace, community matters. And so the way I want you to start this morning is I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to share about someone in your life, or maybe it's, they're not, you don't actually know them personally, someone you've wanted to be like, okay? I'm going to, I'll tell you a little bit more about mine, but my person is Mary Lou Retton, okay? So that's, that's how I'm thinking, okay? So that's someone at some point in my life I wanted to be like, okay? So it, maybe it's someone you want to be like now, maybe it's someone you wanted to be like when you were a kid. Ready? Go. said, my person is Mary Lou Retton. If, if you are young, you have no idea who Mary Lou Retton is. Um, how many of you have no idea who Mary Lou Retton is? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, Mary Lou Retton was an Olympic gymnast in the 1984 Olympics. I'm dating myself here. Um, oh, bless it. That's the year Brandy was born. Um, so... I wanted to be Mary Loretton so bad. I loved all things gymnastics. Never took a day of gymnastics class in my life, but I loved gymnastics, okay? Um, and I wanted to be Mary Loretton. Um, she had short hair, and I have had short hair most of my life. And so I was like, oh, she's cool, and she has short hair, and she's really good at gymnastics, so that's who I want to be. Okay, so we'll come back to her in just a little bit. Um, we've all had someone that we wanted to be like or to emulate or to, um, to it, you know, we've kind of wanted to model our life after them. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, in Jude 1, 17 through 25, we're gonna, I'm going to read a little bit and I'm going to break it down here. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. 
These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Okay, so there's going to be people who want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And this causes divisions in the body. Um, people fall into thinking of my wish, my way. And that, that can be a, a tough thing. And those people don't allow God's grace to sustain them. Next verse. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. So God's sustaining grace is found when we live life together and when we build each other up. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. Friends, God's sustaining grace is shown to others through us when we show them mercy. You don't have to condone their sin, but you know what? We're called to love people. And sometimes we don't always do a very good job of that. Uh, we're tempted to say, I'm not my brother's keeper, right? I know we joke about that line in our house a little bit. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, sometimes you are. Sometimes we got to help each other. Sometimes we have people in our life who they're so broken that they don't have what it takes to even want to help themselves. And they need us to come alongside of them and live life with them. Some of us, if I were to ask you to stand up in here and say, maybe there's a time in your life where you needed someone to come alongside of you and someone did, and you can stand up and say, I can testify to the fact that God's grace was shown to me through mercy and grace through someone else. It happens. Um, now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. The sustaining work of Christ keeps you from falling and fills you with the joy of the Lord. This is good news. If God sits before you today, if he was to come in here and sit down before you and ask you, how is it with your soul? How is your heart today? How do you love me? Do I have all parts of you? What would you say? Think about that for a minute. If he was to sit down and one-on-one and -on -one in this room and call us in here and say, Christy, where's your heart? Christy, where's your mind? Christy, where's your soul? But put your name in there. He sits down with you and he asks you those questions. God's grace sustains us so that we can surrender the areas of our life that maybe he doesn't have control of. After his resurrection, Jesus promised his disciples, he didn't promise them um, a gift from the Spirit, right? He didn't just say, you're going to have a gift from the Holy Spirit. No, he promised them the Holy Spirit in their life. There is power when it's not just a gift from the Holy Spirit in our life, it is the absolute presence of the Holy Spirit in our life that we have with us every single day. That is how God's grace is sustained through us. When we try to hold on to our own power and our own will, we diminish what Jesus wants to do with us and through us. 
um, the Pharisees. This is maybe who not to be. They did everything um, right so that they wouldn't sin, right? Um, pray, read, be, do, don't. It was a set of rules that they followed in order to not mess up. But what happened? They never dealt with the condition of their hearts. They were doing the rules because it, it was what they thought they were supposed to do, but not the condition of their hearts. And what's in our hearts eventually finds its way to the surface. What's going on deep inside of us finds its way out. Um, I, I talked about, I, if you read the email this week, I talked about words at chapel on Tuesday, and I talked about how when we're tired or when we're frustrated, you know, I, my kids have been at the receiving end of this, and, and I'm sorry for the moments where this has happened, but it's, it's a reality of being human and being a parent. But if you've had a bad day and you get home and a kid pushes your buttons, sometimes they're on the receiving end of your bad day. It's not their fault. They may have, there may be an issue that needs to be dealt with, but ultimately it's not their fault. It's the condition of my heart that I allowed what happened in my day to fall into my interaction with my kids. And so what's going on in our hearts finds its way to the surface. That's what happens with the Pharisees. Um, their self-denial became self-serving. Their cross-bearing made them less loving. So here's these guys that are carrying their cross, but they are not loving of anybody around them. Sometimes the church has done that. We are so busy carrying our cross and being the church that we forget to stop and love on the people who are broken right next to us. We overlook them because we're too busy doing the work of, of carrying our cross. No, carrying our cross is loving others. It's why Jesus hung on it. And if we're not going to love on others, then we're not doing what he wants us to do. God's sustaining grace allows us to do that. Um, it wasn't, uh, it's not enough just to desire to be like Jesus. We have to surrender and allow his Holy Spirit within us. The Pharisees lacked grace. Grace is needed to empower us, to enable us, and to allow us to lead a holy life. All right, who not to be again? Um, the opposite of legalism, right? I'm forgiven, I'll receive grace so I can do whatever I want, right? I can, God forgave me today so I can go out and do whatever I please all week long because he's going to forgive me again. Uh, that's not, ugh, that, well, okay. Um, don't ask me for serious commitment. Don't ask me to give up that area of me. Just because God gives you grace doesn't mean that you're free from the responsibility and from spiritual growth. You're not set free from moral and spiritual obligation. Uh, Wesley Tracy, if you've ever heard of him, he, he talks about radical optimism of grace. The world will look at us and say, mm, they're too far gone, and they'll never change. Mm, let's be truthful. Sometimes we look at the world and say, mm, they're too far gone, they'll never change. But radical optimism of grace, I love this. This is what it says. God looks at us and says, yeah, you've messed up. Yeah, your circumstances are bad. But no matter what, his grace can take us from where we are and make us who he wants us to be. No matter what we have done, his grace takes us from that point and creates us 
and, and in us who he wants us to be. With radical optimism, sin, we take it seriously, but the power of God's sustaining grace is way bigger, and it's way greater. What does sustaining grace look like? It's a call to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in us. Hebrews 14.14 says, Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Sustaining grace God initiates, we respond. God calls us, and we listen. God guides us, and we obey. God empowers us, and we work. We respond, we listen, we obey, and we work because of what God does in us. Sustaining grace is the grace that enables us to do what God calls us to do. We can fall from grace, but sustaining grace of God makes it possible not to have to. That work of sanctification that Pastor Jeremy talked about last week, if you didn't get that and you weren't here last Sunday, man, get online and watch that message. It was amazing. It was a vivid picture of what it means to, look like, to live a sanctified life. We had a conversation with our teens last Sunday night about what it means to live, what, what does a holy life look like? What are examples of what they think a holy life looks like? And so we began to talk about that and break that down. Sanctification, that, that work of God in our life, that, that surrender to the Holy Spirit in us allows us not to have to sin. Sin loses its power over us. It's still there. We'll still be tempted. But we, don't ha- we can stand up to that because of the sustaining grace of God in our lives. We cooperate with the active grace of God by reordering our lives around those activities, disciplines, and practices that Jesus modeled. John Wesley, if you don't know who he is, I recommend pick up some John Wesley reading. Um, But John Wesley talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, As I was reading on this, I was thinking about it. I remember saying the fruits of the Spirit growing up. That's not what John Wesley talked about. He talked about the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. We automatically assume that when you're talking about the, all nine of those fruits, that it's fruits of the Spirit. But he's saying, no, it is one. They are all one. They are, it is a, it's a joint thing. Um, they work together to paint this compelling picture of what it means to live a life for Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity or goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The first of all of these is love, And the rest are an expression of love. In the journey of grace, these characteristics will be manifested in our life. It doesn't mean that because it's the fruit of the Spirit that it's all going to come out at once. How many of you can honestly say there's maybe one of the fruit parts of the fruit of the Spirit that you're like, uh, I need a little work in that area. Come on, be honest. There's a few honest people here. Yeah. So there are, there's, you know, some areas might come harder. I just had a conversation recently with somebody about patience and And I think Jeremy and I were on the phone with them and said, man, did you pray for patience? And they're crying, and they're like, no. Why does God keep making me go through this? Why does God, and and we began to talk about, it's not always that God is forcing us to go through it, but sometimes the consequences of our sin cause us to have to deal with issues. But it feels like God leaves us in the middle of something. 
And so what happens is God's sustaining grace carries us through that. It's not all going to be happy sunshine and roses. It's not all going to be glorious days. Some days are going to be dark and lousy. But God's sustaining grace carries us through that. God's grace saves and sanctifies us, but he doesn't stop there. His grace is sustaining and the work continues in us. And it allows us to choose to leave a life of sin and to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our whole person. Faith, love, and hope and the fruit of the Spirit are both gifted and grown. All of it is a gift from God. But it's our responsibility to help those things grow in our life. God promises that a life lived for him in the fruit of the Spirit and virtues of, of righteousness, but they don't happen instantly. We have got to surrender because we're bent towards sin, but when we surrender to Christ, we, become, we begin to um, take on that fruit of the Spirit and to be bent toward the things of God. Now, it takes cultivating to make these changes happen, okay? I, am not, I do not claim to be a gardener at all. In fact, I claim to kill plants. It just happens. I've tried to kill one all winter, and it won't die on me, which is really amazing. And if someone knows anything about plants, you should come over and tell me what I should do to fix this thing. But it just keeps sprouting life. And I, it's like a sermon illustration in itself. It's dead looking, but yet life sprouts up from the middle of this thing. And I'm like, look, at, there's another vine coming out of it. So I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I've tried with this thing. But anyway, so gardening does not just happen. I'm not just going to walk out into the garden one day and know, one, how to build a garden, what to plant, where to plant it, how far to plant it, and how to water it, and what to do to make it grow. It's just not going to happen. I have to learn how to do that, right? I mean, some people might be fortunate enough to walk out and have an instant green thumb. Not me. So it takes time. But the reward of learning how to garden and how to cultivate the soil and how to feed the, the, the produce that is growing in the ground, how to feed it and, and tend to care for it, the reward is a beautiful harvest of fruits and vegetables. That is the same in our lives. When we, um, when we cultivate our life and when we tend to our heart and to our mind and to our soul, and when we, when we spend time in the word and we spend time in community, we learn what it means to live a life for Christ. And the reward is a surrendered life that is impacting the kingdom of God. But it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen. Honestly, I'm going to tell you something. It can happen if all you do is show up here on a Sunday morning. But my hope is that you're cultivating your relationship with Jesus far beyond just Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Checkups are necessary. How are you doing? Jeremy is like, he's faithful at checkups on things. And he goes to the doctor every year and he comes home with a list of things that he's going to do and check and test and all of that. I'm not the biggest fan of doctors. Sorry, Jamie. But um, I just, I'm not. Um, and so I have a little more anxiety when I go to the doctor. But he goes, and he, he, he has, it's a regular checkup so that he knows exactly what's going on in his body, for the most part. Um, we have to do the same in our spirit and in our life with Christ. We have to have checkups. How are you doing? 
Um, it's, I think it's, it's really possible that the whole purpose of revivals, remember those? Some of you probably don't even know what those are. Um, revivals and small groups throughout time, the purpose of it has been a checkup for believers. Sure, it's been an outreach to, to, get, to see people get saved, but the reality is it was also a checkup, a retreat, a summer camp, a women's event, a men's event, checkups. A moment to say, how is it with my heart? How is it with my soul? We may not be willing to ask our own questions of ourselves, right? I don't, well, okay, I would say I don't self-diagnose myself, but sometimes I do. In fact, Jeremy tells me to stay off WebMD. Okay, so, um, but I cannot really diagnose myself. There may be something going on in me. I may have an idea of what's going on, but the reality is I need a professional to step in and help me understand what's going on inside of me. Or I need, um, I need to see a nurse to help me tend to something that's going on. That is true of our spiritual lives, too. Sometimes we don't know how to answer the questions that we have. We don't know how to, to deal with the struggling that we have. But we need community to step alongside of us and say, I've got this with you. Let's journey through this together. That is the purpose of living in community with each other. Heart disease has warning signs, right? High cholesterol can be a sign of heart disease. Um, heart disease has warning signs in the life of a believer, too. Unhealthy tendencies in our discipleship that are not dealt with will lead to spiritual death. Lead me through these. And as I do, maybe um, we're going to take just a minute here. Let's look at these, these words. Okay, ready? Um, it says, there's a, there we go. Okay. Pride, gluttony, sentimentality, covetousness, disobedience, impenitence, vanity, irreverence, distrust, sloth, lust, envy, resentment, and arrogance. These are things that when not tended to, begin to pop up inside of us. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a couple of these. When you think of warning signs, some of these are what comes first. And I'm gonna, I want to define sentimentality. Listen to the definition of this. Satisfaction with pious feelings and beautiful ceremony without striving for personal holiness. No interest in bearing one's cross or personal sacrifice. A greater attraction to emotional spirituality than sacrificial commitments. It's easy for me to come in here on Sunday mornings and worship and listen to a sermon, but don't expect me to live it out through the week. Impenitence. Refusal to search out and face up to one's sins or to confess them before God. Self-justification by believing one's sins to be insignificant, natural, or inevitable. Refusing to apologize and reconcile with one's neighbor or being unwilling to forgive oneself. We can be really good at pointing out the faults of others, um, but we forget that our own business can stink too. God's sustaining grace is stifled when we refuse to deal with our own junk. Deal with it. Admit it. Put it out there. It might be ugly. It might be smelly. It might be hurtful. But man, deal with it. Rip that Band-Aid off and stop trying to hide it. Get it out in the open and deal with it. And watch what God can do. Um, athletes have a rhythm. They have a, a cycle of life. We're in the middle of the Winter Olympics right now. Those athletes did not just show up in China and go compete. I know a story of a, of a man who decided one day he was going to run a marathon. The morning of the marathon after eating a bowl of cereal, 
and he went out to run 26.2 miles, having never trained. That man ended up in the hospital with renal failure because he could not complete the race and almost died. Mm, I don't recommend that. We have to train as an athlete does. We have to invest as an athlete does. We don't instantly have um, good habits and patterns. We, we have old patterns and old habits and old ways of thinking, and we have to replace those with, with good ones. Um, we're going to look at spiritual disciplines, and Wesley calls them works of piety, what we do to enhance our personal relationship with Christ, and works of mercy, what we do to engage God's ministry and mission in the world. Both of these things um, we can do alone, but they're things that are better done with the help of others. All right, another list of words. Prayer, fasting, sharing your faith, giving your resources, worship, communion, baptism, accountability, and Bible study. John Wesley believed that Christians should be accountable to one another and in checking up on each other. They had a specific list of questions. If you were in one of his groups, you sat down in front of someone and was like, do you have any known sins that you're hiding from me or that you're holding back? You want to sit down with each other and do that every week? Some of us are like cringing at the idea of someone sitting down in front of you asking that question. But it was accountability. He believed that small group was at the heart of Christian community and vital in growing in Christ-likeness. How goes it with your soul? was a question. Who can you ask this of, and who can ask it of you? You cannot attain salvation by disciplines. Your salvation is a gift of God, but you cannot retain salvation without disciplines. E. Stanley Jones. George Whitefield, most famous preacher in history, in the 18th century, he was dynamic and eloquent, and he stood out. John Wesley, good preacher, but he focused on small groups and discipleship. They were friends. They admired each other's work. Um, Wesley went beyond just the preaching on Sunday morning to begin to do these discipleship groups and develop these bands of young men and young women who would study the word together. Um, Whitefield it's interesting, it says, Whitefield even said um, what happens when, when Whitefield died, his legacy died with him. But when John Wesley died, well, there are still preachers all over the world standing up talking about John Wesley's ministry and the belief that discipleship is essential. And so Wesley's legacy lived on because of, of his work. And this is, this is something that Whitefield said. He said, Wesley awakened souls and joined in meetings, and the fruit of his labor continues even today. Whitefield said, I neglected meeting with people, and they are a rope of sand falling away. Discipleship could be, can be personal, but it should not be private. Isolated Christians are in danger of insular faith, and it produces weak and unfruitful disciples when we are isolated. Worship and Christian education are important, and we also have, we have to have a shared life together in intimate relationships and the application of the knowledge that we're receiving. Mary Lou Retton, gymnast, short, short hair, look at, 
Oh, she got a picture for me. I wanted to be her, y'all. I wanted her outfit. I wanted her cute short hair. I wanted her muscles because they were amazing. And I just wanted to be able to do what Mary Loretton did, right? Okay. Well, I didn't even have my own swing set in the backyard because we didn't have money to have a swing set. So I went to my friend's swing set down the street and tried flipping over her swing set to get to do what Mary Loretton did. But no amount of flipping over the top of her swing set trying to impress the men building a house next door worked to make me Mary Loretton. I wanted to be her so bad. I tried day after day after day flipping over the top of that swing set. Fell off that swing set. Didn't, never broke anything, unbelievably. I still can't believe the things that we tried on that swing set. We took all the swing, we took, literally took everything off of the swing set just to have the bar to try and flip over the top of it. And our parents let us do this. Sometimes, I don't know, like we have moments. I don't know about you as parents. Do you have moments you're like, I can't believe I let my kid do that. And it's, we don't realize it until our kids are older and they're like, I can't believe you let me do that. Jeremy and I, it's been, I, I don't know, it's been like realization at one after the next. And I'm like, well, my parents weren't there. They were down the street at their own house. So it was Wendy's parents that let us do it. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was, so I wanted to be Mary Lou. Excuse me, give me my water. I wanted to be her. Um, she was great at what she did. Okay. Um, but the thing is, Mary Loretton spent hours working her craft. Mary Loretton had a coach who she was accountable to. Mary Loretton had a team that she was a part of. She didn't do it on her own. She didn't do it just by herself. Um, I also have some heroes of the faith who I've wanted to be like. Some people who I've wanted to emulate my life after because I've seen the way that they serve and the way that they give and the way that they love and the way some that preach. And I've wanted to be like them, not, not to totally mimic them, but to, to pattern my life in ways that, that I can see the fruits in my life that I see in theirs. And I think it's good for us to have people that we can look up to but to recognize that we are who Christ created us to be. The character they possess, man, it's my hope and desire that I would possess the fruit of the Spirit to be like that. There are things that I can do in my own life to grow, uh, like we mentioned a little bit ago, um, but we are better together. Friends, we are better together. For a team to do well, everyone has to practice and work together. The best teams I've ever seen are the ones, this is one of the things that um, Jeremy has coached for years now, and I'm like the sideline mom coach. Um, but one of the things that I love about teams, and one of the things that I will say to my dying breath in good teams, are teams where those that are on the sideline are cheering as though they're in the game. It's not all about, I'm the best. It's an attitude of, we are one. We are a part of this team. And I love to see athletes on the sideline. I love at races when I've watched Jace and Rylan run over the years, when I see the, the fastest ones on the team finish and go back out on the course and begin cheering their teammates on as they finish. That's what it looks like. That's what I think those who've gone before us and have died, man, they're on the sidelines cheering us on. You got this. My, that's my dad, Chrissy, you've got this. I hear his voice in my head. 
when I feel like I can't do it, I hear him going, you've got this. Baby girl, you've got this. I can hear him. I can hear his voice right now. We need cheerleaders on the sideline. We've got to be a team cheering each other on, not just people who've gone before us, but those of us in this room, man, we've got to be cheering each other on. We've got to be living life with each other. I give you full permission to call somebody in this room this week. Look around right now. You have permission. Turn your head. Look around. Okay. I give you full permission to call someone. There's a database. If you don't know how to access it, we would be happy to teach you how to use Elvanto. But there's a database with phone numbers. You can call someone and say, man, how are you doing? Now, I'm going to say this. If someone calls you, please don't be rude. Please be nice and actually open up to them. Ooh, you're like, some of you are crawling out of your skin at the idea of that right now. We've got to live in community with one another. Um, the teams that are the best are the ones who encourage each other and challenge each other and check up on each other. As the body of Christ, we are better together. If we want to carry on Wesley's legacy and, and have it to live even beyond us, we have to live life together. Not just on the surface, but in the mud and the dirt and the muck. Not just in the happy, joyful moments, but in the moments of tears and agony and pain. Some of the toughest moments I've ever served in ministry have been in moments of agony with people. But to me, they're some of the best. Because I get to connect with someone's heart. I get to see inside and under the surface. Spending moments in prayer with people is one of the greatest privileges I've had. But that's not just reserved for the pastors. You all can do that. You all can be that for each other. If we want real life to live a legacy, we have to look around us and we have to live life together beyond 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Um, if we want to uh, grow in grace, we have to watch over one another in love. So yeah, a little bit of being our brother's keeper. Sustaining grace is the transformative, continual work of Christ in us. We announced at the beginning of the service small group opportunities that are coming up. I would encourage you to look over that list. I understand some of you have ridiculous schedules. Find a way to plug into something if you can. There are some great groups. We really look forward to digging into the Word on Wednesday nights. I'm looking forward to stretching. Yeah, right? Find something. Stand with me. Plug into something. Connect with someone. Look around this morning. Maybe you don't know somebody in this room very well. Can I challenge you before you um, head to your car this morning? Stop and say hello. Introduce yourself. Don't take offense if someone introduces you that you've already met. Some of us are a little more forgetful than others. Do it again. Reintroduce yourself. Let's live this community together. And let's see what God wants to do because his sustaining grace is at work in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your sustaining grace in our lives. I thank you that none of us is too far gone. I thank you that no one we love is too far gone. I thank you that our enemies are not too far gone. God, all of us were created in your image. And I pray that as we go about our week, that we would remember that. That as we're tempted not to give grace to someone else, that we would remember your continual grace at work in our lives. 
And may we freely give that grace to those who need it. God, may we allow your sustaining grace to work in our lives. God, take the areas of our heart that maybe we're trying to hold on to and transform them into something that works for your kingdom in a magnificent way. God, may we live in community with one another. I pray that every person in this room and online this morning would take some time this week and reach out to someone. It doesn't have to be anything really deep. Just connect with one another this week. Send a text, make a phone call, have a coffee date, whatever it is, but just be intentional about spending time with someone else. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you love us. In your name. This week as you go, it's my prayer that you will live out the fruit of the Spirit, that you will grow in your craft of being discipled by the Lord, that you will dig into the Word, that you will live in community, and that you will be a blessing as you bless others. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org give. Thanks again for listening.